Welcome to the Spiritually Expressed Human, a show where being spiritual means unleashing the badass within, and being human means listening to your heart's voice instead of the one in your head. Together, Susan will help you navigate the murky waters of life's emotional and spiritual experiences, those that likely caused you to live by someone else's directions, and find your true north so that you can become the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be. Now here's your host, Susan Desenzi. Welcome back to another episode. You know, I am always excited and honored to have guests in the house because we have such dynamic conversations. We go deep into things that sometimes hold us back and create barriers and limitations in our life. And today's guest is no different because although she's a dear friend and she's a guest today on the show, we're really going to talk about a deep issue that has been bothering her for a long time and was kind of surprising. And so before I get into a little bit about who she is, I want to kind of point out that when we do an episode like this, where I'm actually doing some on-air coaching, please recognize that you'll take what you need as it applies to you and you'll leave the rest. And that it's important for you to hear those pieces that might apply to you because this show is about becoming fully expressed as who you are. And that means speaking your truth. And sometimes speaking your truth is very painful and is very difficult, especially when there are other people involved. So with great honor and great love, I welcome Cindy Koki into the house. Thank you so much, Cindy, for being here and being willing to go on air and kind of talk about all the painful stuff. Thank you so much, Susan, for having me. Quite honestly, I am just wowing the heck out of my own self because when I was a little girl, I was the shyest thing. I was afraid to try or do anything for many reasons, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about today. But the fact that I got headphones on and I'm speaking in a microphone and we're seeing each other, you know, I mean, I, I know our listeners are going to hear us and stuff, but this is pretty wild for me. This is a walk on the wild side for, for Cindy Koki. <laughs> wow, I can't imagine that you were shy. Wow. Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. Well, I guess this is a, a time of surprises, right? <laughs> you know, it's a it, it's absolutely a time to grow for sure, you know, and, and I, I'm all for that. I'm all for owning my own stuff and and, and learning from it. I wasn't always like that, you know, but from, I think from 39 to 52 in a couple of weeks and in this stretch of time, you know, different opportunities to spiritually grow, different opportunities to be honest and open with yourself. You know, it's, it's an amazing ride when you get out of your own flipping way, you know? Oh, absolutely. And you can swear on this show if you needed to just, don't, you know, <laughs> You don't need to flipping. Yeah, it's fine. You just don't need to hold back if you wanted to. Okay. All right. Well, and again, thank you for being here. We're going to tackle the subject of passive aggressive behaviors because I understand you've been dealing with some deep hurt over kind of being told by a family member that you were being passive aggressive. And I know that in a conversation we had not too long ago that 
there was something you had read to me and I said to you, Cindy, that's actually passive aggressive. I, I, I imagine that was kind of hard to hear, wasn't it? It was actually, Susan. And it's kind of funny because I know it was like a deer in a headlight kind of moment where my jaw dropped and I, and then I'm just like, well, hmm. You know, it wasn't something that I, I needed to cry about or anything like that. And that would have been a reaction if I was still in a pain body place, you know, with that. Yeah. It's obviously something that's been going on long enough and it's been painful long enough where I, I received it. It was still a shock, but I definitely received it. So in a place where I'm like, okay, I need to take a look at this a little closer. Yeah. Well, and so that kind of spurred you to go look up the definition, to Google that shit, as they say, and look up the definition of passive aggressiveness or aggressive behavior. What did you find out before I get into a a little bit more of a, I suppose, clinical definition of it, you know, informally, and then we can kind of dive in to see what's kind of been happening and how you've been feeling and what you still need help with. Sound good? Sounds good. Sounds good. Yes, I did Google it. Um, I Google a lot of stuff when it comes into my realization. (laughs) Um, And I very much did Google passive aggressiveness and keywords, you know, inability to express anger and, you know, your your truth, your side of the story Mm -hmm. and uh, to avoid conflict. And I think I read something about sarcasm in there too and procrastination, but the the big things for me were quite frankly being, you know, unable to express your true feeling, you know, if it would cause a conflict. Yeah, well, and you know, so many people are afraid of conflict, right? And they shy away, they avoid conflict like the plague. And the interesting thing about conflict or confrontation, right? They don't want to confront it is that we're confronting stuff every single day. Like, do you recognize that right now in our conversation, we are confronting one another, but we don't call it that. We call it conversating or having a discussion. But the technical truth is that we are confronting one another on opinion, on thought, on belief, whatever, right? We're just, we're having this conversation. And it's the same as the word manipulation, right? It has such a negative connotation like confrontation and conflict does that we don't see it, but through a very particular narrow lens. But if, if we looked at the truth of it, we are manipulating a door handle when we open the door, but we don't call it that. We say we're opening the door or we're manipulating a car when we're steering it by the steering wheel, but we call it steering or driving. Yet the truth is we are confronting the conflicts in our life every single day. Most of them are so minor. It's when it becomes so painful and it's so personal. And then we say, oh my gosh, what are we going to do if we confront this other person about what we think or feel? And then we get into the fears of loss, right? That what will happen if they don't agree? What will happen if they don't ever want to talk to me again? You know, that kind of stuff. Absolutely. And then passive aggressive is one of those, I don't know, it has a negative connotation too, because passive aggressive behavior is often kind of thought of as that kind of, you know, they really want to be more assertive or technically even aggressive. 
and yet they're doing it in a very passive way. So kind of the informal, formal clinical definition of <laughs> passive-aggressive behavior is essentially when someone wants to speak a truth, and instead of speaking that truth, they manipulate their words, they manipulate their behaviors in such a way that it comes out very kind of chill and mellow, but the underlying current is that it's this other truth that is really perceived as aggressive kind of in its nature or assertive, but it's not really because, see, we have the excuse to then go, what? I wasn't saying that. I didn't do that. And an example could be where my husband never does the dishes, which is totally not true, by the way. I'm, I'm fortunately married to a neat freak. But let's say he never does the dishes and I go to do the dishes and I'm kind of being a little bit rough with them, right? Like I'm making noise. And he's like, you know, what's your problem? And I'm like, no, nothing, nothing. I just, you know, I'm just doing the dishes again, right? Now that, that might not be seen as real passive aggressive, but it's kind of our behavior and our words are veiled under this kind of sweet, gentle, kinder kind of comment or tone when really what we're meaning is that we wish we could express our anger. Would you agree? Absolutely, absolutely. And what you're saying doesn't sit very nice, very good with me. It really doesn't. You know, I mean, I, I was brought up, I, I think, to always be a good girl. You know, I remember the Golden Book story. There was a little girl who had a curl, and when she was good, she was very, very good, and when she was bad, she was horrid. Oh. And I mean, this was a Golden Book, and I loved that story, but I didn't realize that that little girl was the same girl. Yeah, I, I real I thought that I was I needed to be the good girl. I I didn't realize until way later, you know, that it was the same girl that she, you know, she had some good times and she had some bad times. I mean, I I resonated with I needed to be the good girl, you know. Well, and I guess what is kind of going on inside of you that is not resonating? Is it just the good girl stuff? Or is it something else as I was talking and it was not sitting well with you? Is there something else that's kind of, you know, going on or? I, I don't like to be angry, you know. <laughs> and so, you know, to, to hear that I go like I sidebar, you know, it just, it doesn't sound truthful. It doesn't sound like being real, you know, and I, I don't, I don't like that. You know, I, I mean, I, I think that I'm in a place where, you know, I'm almost 52 years old. I need to speak my mind. I need to speak my truth. I don't need to cover it up anymore. You know, I need to own my shit and I, I need to speak my mind and use my voice, you know? And, and so to hear that I'm this advanced in my life as chronologically and, you know, supposed to be so wise and everything <laughs> as you go along and to hear that I still have kind of these snarky little, you know, turd toed things kind of, coping mechanisms or traits or whatever you want to call them, you know, I, I guess it's just a, a little unsettling. And I can imagine. <laughs> but something I want to, I want to learn. And improve. <laughs> but so. you know, the thing is, is that we all have that. 
You know, we all have those pieces, those layers of things that we learned either growing up or as young adults or in our adulthood somewhere where we just don't like, we, we don't really know that they're there. We behave in certain ways. We think in certain ways. We communicate in certain ways. And we just, it's like been our norm, right? And we don't really give it a lot of thought to understand where it kind of got put into place. So can you recall any like scenarios or memories of when you were younger and really kind of, you think was kind of an earlier first memory for yourself where you may have been taught that it wasn't okay to have either your voice or be angry? Uh, actually, I, I have a couple of childhood memories, some some doozies that have s- sat with me for a good long time, um, especially when I was um, 10 years old and in fifth grade. But let me back up to fourth grade, because that was the first time that I absolutely recall being afraid of someone's angry outburst. And that was in school, elementary school, you know, fourth grade reading class. And there was one boy, and I remember the teacher's name. I remember the boy's name, too. I mean, that's how distinct this memory has been for me to go far that back and remember. But the little boy, you know, was just kind of one of those little pistols, you know, that just poked the hornet's nest, just really was poking the, the, um, the teacher's buttons, you know, all day long. Yeah. And you know, we were supposed to be working on our reading assignment. And then finally, it was it was the last poke. It was the poke that broke the camel's back. Yeah. And the teacher was so angry. And he was so he I saw him turn red. And he picked the young boy up by the scruff of his neck and the back of his pants. Mind you, I'm 52 years old. So this wouldn't float today. But oh, this, wow. Yeah, this no. is something that, you know, <laughs> I don't even know if it was okay back then, but you know, but picked him up by the scruff of his neck and the back of his pants, and he carried him up the flight of stairs to the main office, to the you know, to the principal's office. That's how angry he was. And the funny thing is, is that affected me so much that that evening we we were given homework, even in fourth grade, we had a reading assignment, you know, and questions that we needed to answer about whatever it was that we're reading, some short story. And I didn't do it. And I loved school. And I always did my homework and my assignments. I was one of those, you know, weirdo kids that loved school, you know. (laughs) I I loved school school too. I played school in the summertime. I loved going to school. And I loved reading, you know. So reading class was just, you know. So I didn't do my homework. But I woke up like, I don't know, 10, 30, 11 at night crying. And I went into my mom's and dad's room and I was crying my eyes out. And they're like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I'm like, I didn't do my reading homework, you know? And so, I mean, it was just such a weird reaction to see such anger and then to not do my assignment, you know, that it, so, you know, so that's one memory. Let me pause you there. Do you think you were afraid of doing your homework and having maybe it not be, I don't know, correct, and then getting the wrath of your teacher and seeing his anger again, so you just didn't do it? I, you know what? I honestly don't know, Susan. I just feel like I was struck dumb for, for a, a brief minute. 
you know, that it was just such a powerful anger. I, I don't, I know that I wouldn't ever want to make him mad at me. So I'm not really sure why, you know, I did that. It just uh, shut me down for a little bit. You said something very important and then we'll get to your fifth grade memory. And that was, I just don't think I ever wanted him to get angry at me. Right. I never wanted him to get angry at me. That's a vow. When we say things like never, always, what we're really saying is a vow. And think of marital vows. I will always love you. I vow today. Do you ex take this man, this woman, whatever, this person to be your lawfully wedded blank forevermore in sickness and health? Like we vow. And, and so when we say things like I will never be like my mother or father, or I will never do that again. We are creating an internal vow that becomes so deeply entrenched that it is very challenging then to work through it without really diving into the vow and the construction where the vow got put into place, like you're saying in this fourth grade. So let me ask, did you not see that level of anger ever before by like your parents or anybody else? Not that I remember. Okay. Uh, not that I remember. I, I remember seeing my folks angry, but not not back then, more when we were a little bit older, you know, teenage years. Right. Okay. So that was your, that you can recall right now is your earliest memory of that intensity of anger. Okay. So that that's important because you created a vow right at that place. All right. So now fifth grade, what happened in fifth grade? Oh, gosh, fifth grade. I remember that quite well, too. Um, Ten years old, and it was it was right, you know, right at my birthday. Gosh, I remember every gift that I got <laughs> from all my friends um, wow. for that. But <laughs> I'm mean, ten, ten, it was, that was a very vivid year for me. I had my first purse stolen in fifth grade. Wow. <laughs> so, um, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of interesting stuff in, in that grade um, in, in that age frame. But it was right around my birthday and my parents had given me, you know, the, the, high up leather boots that had the rubber sole heels they laced up you know they were popular oh, in the day yes and i mean i loved them oh my gosh i you know i finally got something i really 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 wanted for my birthday you know? yeah <laughs> and um so I, I just loved them. I planned my outfit, you know, and around my boots. And the next day I wore them and we were sitting in a class. I don't know. I, I don't remember if it was a class or homeroom, but our desks were two by two, you know, and it was a quiet time. And I all of a sudden received a note on my desk. It was kind of just passed and plopped on my desk. And I opened the note and um, it said something to the effect of, you think you're so big with those boots. You think you're really something, you know, just making me think that I'm hot shit because I got these boots and I was wearing them. And uh, many of the students very unwisely signed their names to this note. And the young boy next to me, I remember his name too. And, um, you know, he noticed that I was upset. I was reading, you know, he saw I was reading a note. He noticed I was, you know, crying, getting upset. 
And he's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, nothing. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. You know, but I couldn't quite really get myself to stop crying because I was just so embarrassed Mm -hmm. and feeling so small, Mm -hmm. you know? And um, so I asked him not to tell the um, teacher, but he did. And the teacher came over and he, you know, he saw, he saw the note and took it from me. I really don't remember how the rest of the, the school day went, mm-hmm. but I do remember that when I was home later that afternoon, I was receiving phone calls from students um, that signed their names that their parents made them call and apologize to me, you know, make me feel even more ridiculous. But uh, that was pretty huge because how that affected me was I worried about what everyone and their mother thought of me from that moment on, what I was wearing, what I looked like, what I said. Um, Many of the things that I wanted to try in high school, like I loved the musicals. You know, I, I was very, I was romantic and I really loved the old movies, you know, I fell in love with Gone with the Wind and all the, you know, all the old school glamour and, um, definitely the musicals and i didn't try out for a single thing because i was just worried about you know that my self-esteem and confidence was just in the toilet you know up there you know it was less than dog dirt on my shoe (laughs) you know i was i felt pretty low um and so i carried that for a long time and as an adult you know i i i'm sure i was a people pleaser Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, I never wanted anybody to not like me or be angry, you know. Of course, most of us never want anybody to be angry at us, right? But, you know, like you said, there's another never, right? So there's another vow that we've made and put into place. So I never want anybody to be angry with me is going to mean that I'm going to internalize, keep my anger down. Do not allow myself to feel that. And if I do, damn it, oh, I surely can't show it. And if I do, it better be so flippin' peacekeeping mellow. And this is where passive aggressivity happens. You know, honestly, most people who are told that they're passive aggressive are major peacekeepers who struggle to have their voice and to speak their truth. And that means. I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm frustrated, I'm sad, I'm really upset. Now, as parents, it's really easy to do that with our children, right? I'm so angry right now, and you better do this and that. But even then, we might do it very gently. Because now we're afraid, even though we know as parents, we need to set the boundaries for our children, especially our ages, right? You're 52, almost, I'm 56. It, it, it doesn't matter. We still tend to kind of want to keep the peace with our children, right? The younger generations are struggling more so even to some degree because, well, let me backtrack that. I think our generation probably struggled more so because of what our parents grew up with. And then the 60s came and Dr. Spock came on the scene and our parents were like, and this and the 60s itself right you know peace love you know and all that freedom and all that you know let's keep the peace man everybody's just chill and mellow we're all good we all live on this planet together and that's true but it kind of shifted i think 
our parents' kind of behaviors toward us from what they grew up with, with their very strict and rigid parents, maybe, to then going, well, maybe we need to like check in and see how our children feel, which is awesome. You want to honor your children and how they feel, and we're still parents and need to discipline and set the boundaries. And if they get mad at us, well, we want our kids to love us and to like us. We want them to communicate with us and to be a part of our lives and we want to be a part of their lives. And yet when they're seven and they're, you know, continually taking cookies out of the cookie jar and we yell at them and they're like, you're so mean. Oh, so I have a really funny quick story because I, I, I just think this is important to set the stage on how we can behave in passive aggressive ways with friends, family, coworkers, whomever. So my son, I, I was determined, I said a never in my own way, that I was determined to never be like my grandparents were. Not my parents, because my parents were pretty cool and chill. But like my grandparents who were much stricter, right? And so I was determined to be more friendly with my, my son, but at the same time set the boundaries. And so I, I was pretty good at following through and sticking to the boundaries. And he'd, he'd say at five, you're such a mean mommy. And I would just look at him and I'd go, you're right, I am. And one day he said it and he was so angry at me and he stomped his little feet and he's like, you're the meanest mommy in the whole world. And instead of trying to pacify him, I just like was assertive and said, you are absolutely right. I graduated top of my class, mean mommy school, and I have the diploma to prove it. And I literally got on my computer when he went to bed and created a fake diploma certificate, whatever, from mean <laughs> mommy school that I had graduated from, right? He still remembers that to this day. But I was like, all right, here we go. If you're going to call me a mean mommy, then I'm going to definitely act like it. I mean, not literally, but the joke as in, you know, he wants to say that. I'm going to prove to you that I did graduate from a mean mommy school because kids will always say that. But what, what do you think happened in your own life? And I don't want to necessarily bring your children into this, but I'm just curious, like, did you find that as you became a mom with your own children, that, that passive aggressive kind ofness, that fear of being, uh, of communicating your anger, that fear of what other people thought, even if it was your own children, do you think that played a role in your life as a young mom of young children? I'm not sure if I'm going to answer your question or not, but I do really remember that when I became a mom, that's when my backbone did grow a little bit, you know, like even if I went to Walmart and I didn't have my receipt, I was fucking going to get a cash refund. You know, I mean, it was like, oh, okay. you know, I mean, I, it's like my backbone did grow a little bit, you know, where my kids were concerned if I needed to, you know, I definitely had the protective mother bear kind of, you know. So do you think you went opposite then? Like with other people, like what about with, with your spouse? Well, were you married? Put it that way. I won't assume. 
Yes. We were, we were married for 26 years. Oh, wow. Longer married, but (laughs) we were married for 26 years. So with your spouse, were you able, I, I just, I want to decipher a little because I think this is relevant, how we can be one way in one situation or mostly in other situations, but in these situations over here, then maybe we aren't able to be that way. In other words, I could be assertive over here and go into Walmart without a receipt and damn it, I'm getting a cash refund. Sorry, ain't happening. I got my backbone. And when it comes to the kids, I'm mama bear. I'm going to protect them. And I'm laying down the boundaries with them, with others, so on and so forth. But what about like with other family or friends or with your spouse or in working situations? Did you find that you were able to do that? Or did your, as you call it, backbone, did your backbone diminish? It diminished for sure. Okay. For sure. It definitely in my relationship with my my now ex-husband and also at work. I, I remember one time I worked mostly in, well, when my kids were little, I did childcare out of our home. Miss Cindy's playpen is what it was called for, um, for nine years while they were young. And then when my son was old enough, just, just shy, it was like the, the last couple of weeks of his kindergarten year. So just shy of being in school full time. I'm just like, all right my reasons for you know being home are going to be in school full-time it's time for me to salvage some of my marketable skills and get out there and and contribute a little bit more the way i want to contribute and grow you know professionally from there and i worked for 13 14 years at an alternative ed career tech school Mm -hmm. and i was the administrative assistant you know while i i managed the office and then the last five years of, of that time, I provided truancy outreach services too. Okay. And I had an, an administrator towards the end that um, he was kind of like my nemesis. You know, it's like I loved his laugh, but man, he just got under my skin sometimes, you know. And one time we were having a meeting with a new student that was being enrolled in our program that was coming in with some truancy issues, you know, and so I was brought into this, this meeting to, to be able to, you know, get the underlying, you know, whole backstory for, for this young person so that I can help, you know, that individual, you know, move forward. And I always had kind of in my parenting and also in, in how I, uh, interact with the students is I kind of had a Mary Poppins kind of spoonful of medicine helps the sugar, you know, go down and, and Fraulein Maria, you know, where was firm, but kind. Yeah. And I was their biggest cheerleader and I did all kinds of things to help accentuate and reward the positive. And then every once in a while I'd have to be a butt kicker and go to court, you know, if the right. if it didn't work out with the family with, you know, parental neglect or the student, um, when they're old enough to to um, be looked at individually too. So I went into this meeting and this administrator, he uh, introduced me as Miss Rainbows and Waterfalls. Mm. And it it pissed me off. I'm just like, this kid doesn't know me from, you know, Adam. And I need to be able to have some kind of, authoritative kind of, you know, um, you know, I can't be his best friend. Some, it's like, I, I, you know, I've got to help this student 
you know, to be able to, to, you know, get to the bottom of why they don't come to school and what the, the challenges are and things like that. And I can't look like I'm just, you know, somebody that can be walked over, you know, and I remember it pissing me off to no end until a friend of mine said, ah, but yes, it's the waterfalls that the water that helps move mountains. And so, you know, I mean, but it wasn't until I heard that, right. you know, <laughs> that, but I mean, it really pissed me off, you know, that I, I wasn't taken seriously just because I was kind most of the time, you know, or nice yeah. most of the time. <laughs> well, so do you think that, you know, in that situation where you were sometimes perceived in a particular way that that fed into this kind of passive, you know, I'm just going to be a bit of the rainbows and waterfalls. I'll be nice. I'll keep the peace. I'll be kind. I won't, you know, I won't say that he really pissed me off. I won't say that this really bothers me with the ex-husband. I'll just kind of like let it go. But then I reach a point and all along the way, though, I'm kind of throwing out those little passive-aggressive, sarcastic barbs. Now, I want to comment here as a caveat. I know we've probably all heard that sarcasm, in, every, in all sarcasm, there's a little bit of truth. And that sarcasm is just really a cover for this deeper anger that's brewing, this frustration, this kind of low-level anger that's always there. I will always disagree with that. I would say on the face, yes, sarcasm in most situations is a cover for other things that are underlying. But there are times where sarcasm is used in jest and fun that is really, truly jest and fun. Just messing around if both parties are on the same page with it. And I'm the perfect example. My husband and I are sarcastic with each other quite often. But while he's a computer guy and a network engineer, he's also a comedian. Not, not a performing comedian. But he's an extremely funny man. And there are times where we are just flat out sarcastic with, for, and at each other. And we're just laughing. Now, if we ever use that sarcasm in a disagreement or an argument, that's a totally different story. So I wanted to, I wanted to point that out for you all listening because, yes, while it is mostly a cover, it's not 100% always. There's, there's one of those vows, right? Always and never, those extremes. So do you think that over time you were so used to being afraid of what would happen if people didn't like you and being afraid of how they saw you and being afraid of that intensity of anger like you saw in the fourth grade that you just really learned over time. Like, let's say, let's take your ex-husband if you're okay with it for, as an example, do you think you were just kind of throwing out those barbs all the time in a very passive aggressive mellower way but really below the surface man you were fucking seething you were you were like ready to explode you were angry but you kept the lid on it until the moment when you couldn't and then it would explode would that be a fair guess on how things were for you yes absolutely there were there were actually many situations with my my ex-husband like that you know and he did have an explosive anger but he also had silence, you know, when it had anything to do with more 
he and I and whatever it was that, you know, was pushing each other's buttons for whatever, however it was that we got under each other's skin. Yeah. He wouldn't fight. He wouldn't talk. He'd shut down. And so I would want to, sometimes I would, I would even try to be loud, you know, or speak to distinctly air quote distinctly because I, I wanted to be heard. And I felt like when there was nothing being said, that was just, that was the worst form of communication ever, you know, because silence speaks, you know, very loudly too. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, being outside of that relationship now and looking back and things like that, you know, I can come from a little bit better place and I can look at how he was brought up, you know, to, to see where, you know, he might be doing that. But in the middle of it, you're trying to grow, you know, you're trying to progress, you're trying to be there for your kids, you're trying to role model for your kids. And I, we didn't do very well on that. We, we didn't nurture our relationship at all. So do you think that your children then learned, do, do you think your children watched how dad is in this explosive anger? Well, first of all, did he, did the children see that or were they shielded from that? No, they did. They did because I was at work one time and I got, you know, called by a very upset child that said, you know, he's, he's going off the deep end, he's throwing stuff, you know, and I went home and I remember, you know, having to deal with that. Oh, <laughs> wow. Know, like, yeah. Like, what the hell? Yeah. You know? Well, and I think that that makes it very challenging then when the children see that you're holding on and, and hiding out from what you really feel and what your truth is and what you really want to say. You're not being heard. He's giving you the silent treatment. So now he's explosive in his anger. But then he turns around and gives you the silent treatment, which doesn't really, it inherently does not give you permission. In other words, when someone is being very silent, I want to speak, but I know that if I do, and, he, and he's just being silent, no matter what I say, I'm going to learn very quickly that my words aren't being heard anyway, and it doesn't matter. So it's going to be harder and harder for me to step up to want to be heard and communicate, even though down deep, I really want to, right? I'm just going Absolutely. to stay silent myself because why poke the bear? Why? He's already being silent. I'm not getting anything from him, no matter what I say or do. So then the anger just seethes and the feelings, you know, I'm hurt and I'm sad, and I'm frustrated, and I love him. We're married. We have these children. Maybe I don't like him right now, but I was clearly still in the marriage, so I care, even if I'm just staying for my children. And I'm not saying that that was your case. I'm speaking overall as many, do, as many can. And yet, down deep, I'm hurt, and I'm sad, and I'm frustrated. Would that be a fair assessment also of the things that you felt? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. I, I just, you know, wanted so much to be able to talk through things. And, you know, I'm, I'm gonna, I own my own shit from what I did and didn't do in this relationship. So I don't want it to seem like, you know, I'm saying, you know, it, it was all him, because it certainly wasn't. But I'll tell you, because of that, there are, there are things that needed, needed to be discussed that I 
I didn't, you know, like about financially and things like that, because I completely wanted to keep the peace. You know, it's like, I, I felt like I needed to be the even keeled one. I needed to be the sturdy one. I needed to be the figure outer, you know, I needed right. to be the one to get it, get it all handled. Now, listen to what you just said, though. And, and it is, yes, it's always a two, you know, it takes two to make and break relationships. It's never just one-sided. Even if somebody does horrible things or they, they lie and they cheat, you know, I know from my work as a therapist over the last 24 years, there is always two sides, always. And actually, there's three. There's your truth, my truth, and the truth. Now, we usually never get to the truth, right? Because my truth and your truth are filtered through our own lenses and experiences and perceptions. And even the outside person observing is going to bring their own filters, lenses, and perceptions, no matter how neutral they attempt to be, to look at the truth. So, you know, thank you for saying that. But, you know, I, I, I know as well that in you saying, like, you wanted to keep the peace, you wanted to be this role model, you know, you're saying you needed to do these things, right? Well, guess what, Cindy? Needing to do that then comes back to the place where we are working very hard at avoiding that loss, right? I need to be the role model. Therefore, I cannot show my children the anger that I really have and want to express to him. I need to be the peacekeeper because I really need to provide the environment for my children where they feel safe and things are going smoothly. We avoid this explosive anger in him. Even if it's silent, well, that's better than the explosiveness. I need to keep working and doing X, Y, Z because, do you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So with this awareness now, right, I understand that there's a kind of a how this all got brought up for you is that there's been a family member that was expressing their self. And I'm not saying whether it's male or female, because we want to keep this as confidential as we can. So this, this family member, we'll just call them there. They were kind of being a bit passive aggressive themselves, weren't they? Yes, I was when I was doing my my Googling, actually, I Googled it just a little bit before getting on today. And, you know, as I shared earlier, I felt like I, I was making myself a little nervous about talking today. But yes, I, I did see where all the behaviors, not only did I dish it, I received it for sure. Right. Because often they say that we cannot recognize in someone else that which is not in ourselves, Right. And that's why in my field, there's kind of a joke that us as therapists are probably the most crazy of all, using that term in jest, not literally as a mental illness or dis disease or disorder process, but that we are the most screwed up of all because shit, we sit there all day long every day pointing out stuff in other people, right? They come to us, they share all of their thoughts and feelings, and we are giving them, you know feedback and reflecting and being obser observers and mirrors and so on and so forth. So shit, if, if I can see all this stuff in you, then I obviously have to have all this stuff in me. So we must really be screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> but the truth is, is that I cannot recognize it in someone else unless I've potentially recognized it in myself to some degree or throughout my life. And that's why it's so important that all of us, doesn't matter what roles we play, 
if you're a therapist or a coach or a network engineer or a construction worker, like a garbage collector, I don't care who the fuck you are. All of us need to go within and look at all those pieces where the, the, the places where we made vows, the things we said to ourselves, the things we became afraid of, whether we realized it or not, so that we can, like you said, grow and continue to evolve. So this person kind of brought up to you that there's some passive aggressivity. And then you and I had a conversation a short while after that. And you, again, read something to me. And I said, yes, indeed, that is kind of passive aggressive, hon. And it was hard to hear. Sometimes the hard to hear is because, uh-oh, now we are confronted and faced with something we really need to look at. And it's really painful and hard because we go, but wait, I, I'm a good person and I have a good heart. And I've just always been this lover and this peacekeeper and this, you know, like, come on, let's, let's keep things going smoothly, people. Are you seeing now, though, where your own fear about speaking your truth and your own fear about expressing your anger in healthier ways led to you then acting or saying things in passive ways that would be perceived by others as aggressive when it really wasn't. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And does that still bother you? Not as much, you know, but it, but again, I feel like I've gotten to a point with this whole bubbling up of this, that it's something that I'm willing to face, you know, and to look at and, and, you know, and to learn other <laughs> ways or, or to just flip and say what I need to say, you know, and not fear so much about how it's going to be received, but just know that it's healthier for me to say it and be real and in my, you know, honest truth than to sit on it and be snarky, you know. And you just said another very important thing. You said afraid of how it will be received. That is really the foundation of passive aggressive behavior. I'm more afraid not of speaking my truth and of what it might cause, right? Because, well, let me ask you, do you believe that people can make you angry? Let me think about that for a second, because I, I think that there's choice in that too. You know, it's like, well, they're just saying something that, you know, may or may not be their truth, you know, but how I receive that and how I react to it is you know, do I get angry about it or do I see their side of it or do, you know, so I'm not sure if I answered that question. <laughs> well, so you believe that you have choice, that people can't literally make you feel any particular way. No matter what I do, I cannot make you feel something, can I? Or can I? No, I, I'm sure that I would have a feel with something that you would say if it, you know, if it was, I don't know, whatever it is. But I don't know, for some reason, the, the wiser side of me is just saying, but you have a choice on how you react. Which is totally to what true. person says or does. Yes. Because the truth is, <laughs> so, well, that's the, pardon what me. did that's, I win? What did I win on that one? <laughs> Woohoo, you won <laughs> knowledge. Yay. <laughs> 
what's what's behind door number three i want exactly <laughs> the door number one two and three are all knowledge and awareness you're the grand prize winner of knowledge and awareness yeah. we have to have fun when we're talking about serious shit or it would drive us crazy yeah. right <laughs> Absolutely. Well, the truth is, yeah, we, we cannot make other people feel stuff, right? Period. And I know that there will be many people who will always believe that when I say that it's very controversial and I'm full of shit and it's totally not true. What do you mean he can't make me mad? If he slaps me upside the face for no reason, that's going to make me mad. He has no right to hit me. Well, but what if, and I've used this example a lot with my clients, what if I appeared to slap you, but really you had a spider crawling on the side of your neck and face, and I knew how scared and terrified you were of them, so I'm not going to say, oh, Sydney, you have a spider crawling on your face, but instead I'm just going to slap it away. You're going to perceive it as a slap, and I'm going to say, I'm sorry, I totally didn't mean to like hit you that way. I just wanted to knock this thing off, then let you freak out about the spider. Okay. But now let's say, what if someone just flat out slaps me because they're being abusive? Well, I understand that first of all, that in and of itself is not okay, period. No way ever. There is never a reason or excuse. End of story. But to say that someone can make me feel a certain feeling and emotion is total bullshit because it has to already be there inside of me for your behavior or words or actions to trigger it up and bring it to the forefront of my consciousness. If I have never felt a particular emotion before, I'm not going to react because that's why we call it a reaction. You acted on it once, it got stored away, then it gets pulled, re-triggered up and pulled up to the consciousness of our, of our awareness and we are reacting on it again. So someone saying something mean is only going to make me mad or hurt my feelings if I believe that they shouldn't be saying that or what they said, you know, or so on and so forth. And what you just said is very important because you said that you, uh, oh shit, see, now I was yapping so long that my cheese slid off my cracker and I forgot exactly why I brought this up. Is I think it was that you said that you were more afraid, essentially is what you were saying, of what they would think. And when we're speaking our truth so that we avoid the passive aggressive behaviors or actions that might be perceived that way, it is because we need to speak that truth regardless of how another person may perceive it or may take it or what they will think, right? So where do you think you're still not speaking your truth? Um, maybe with that, that family member that this, you know, this kind of all bubbled up with recently, I haven't felt like I've been able to, I haven't, because of the long distance between the the physical long distance between, mm -hmm. you know, it's not like I can just show up on their doorstep. Although I've, I've got felt like, you know, I don't know. 
I'm like, what do I fucking got to do? Do I just need to show up on their doorstep <laughs> to be able to have my voice? I mean, I've actually thought that before. I mean, I've thought, okay, do I need to give a, their space and let them figure it out? Do I need to let them miss me? Do I need to, <laughs> you know, yeah. do, you know, when I feel like I want to reach out, do I reach out to it? You know, I just feel like I haven't been given the floor to, to be able to do that. And, it, and, and it's a very important relationship to me that I do hope it does grow from it, you know. But what if you're never given the permission then? So see, how can we move through, and, and I think this is an important distinction that I want to explore for a second and unpack a little bit further, is we are often waiting for another person to give us something, to give us permission, to give us love, to give us acceptance, to validation, approval. I'm proud of you. Good job. Way to go. A boss, a spouse, children, parents, coworkers, whomever, right? We are entrenched in a society. Well, that's part of our our feedback loop anyway, right? Is our, our nature is to love and be loved. And we are, our goal is that feedback. I mean, that is the only way we know that we are lovable and our lovingness is being received. When we break it down to the most simple of brass tacks, that is how we operate as human beings. And the, a, a perfect example is you and I don't know each other. We're passing each other on the street I say nothing to you and you say nothing to me, but we make eye contact for a moment and maybe we do a smile or a nod of the head. What we've just done there is given each other feedback by way of we've acknowledged that we saw each other as a human being on the planet. Doesn't mean we're going to turn around and start chatting and get to know each other and find out each other's names. We may never see each other or pass each other again, but in that moment, we acknowledged each other. That is part of the feedback that we all require as human beings. So when we are working to express what we think and feel, our hurt feelings, our sadnesses, our triggers, our angers, frustrations, happinesses, joys, whatever it might be, we want and need that feedback from another. And when we're not getting it by way of silent treatment, by way of, wow, you're being really passive aggressive, by way of, I don't want to really have much to do with you. I'm not saying that happened in your case. I'm saying overall, I don't want to have much to do with you because blah, 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 blah. What we're getting then is all that feedback that says, how can I make this other person see? Because remember, there's those two competing pieces for the feedback, the hope for gain and the fear of loss. I want this, but I might get that in return. So what happens if? You never get the feedback from this person whose relationship you value so deeply. What if they never give it to you, Cindy? How do you still then grow and evolve and move through the passive aggressiveness that you kind of learned as a coping mechanism all these years? How do, how do you manage through that then if you never get that from this person? Well, you know, I, I feel a little bit of a, a little here, you know, I'm getting choked up a little bit and it'll hurt like a son of a gun um, probably for a while. But I, I guess if I, if I know in my heart of hearts that I've done everything that I know that I can, you know, express myself and listen to, you know, this individual the best that I can, um, then I, I guess in my heart of hearts, I just need to 
love and accept myself, you know, more, more than anything. And, and I mean, I'll continue to hope for sure, you know, that, you know, there's always hope as long as you have breath. Yeah. So, and, and, and you said something very important again that I want to point out, and that's that you love yourself, right? You would continue to reach out to this person through love, not through passive aggressive, like, gee, I can't believe it's been so long since I've heard from you or, oh, hey, you know, hi, how are you? Like, I saw a picture on Facebook and, you know, wish you would have sent it to me kind of thing. Like, that's very passive aggressive, right? It's like, I'm pointing out all this, but really the undercurrent is I'm upset and angry and hurt and feel left out or not heard or not seen or whatever it might be for each person or for you, right? Specifically. And yet our behaviors are kind of veiling and covering that. Instead, we speak our truth. I love you. You're an important person in my life. You're someone that I want to continue to have a deep and powerful relationship with. I get that you may be upset with me or hurt by me or blah, blah, blah. Even if we know we cannot make another person feel a certain way, you have to honor that they are in a place where they are perceiving and until their perception shifts, they're not going to see you through a different lens. So all you can do is come through the lens of love that says, I love, here I am, I hope. I'm thinking of you. I would love to talk, see you, blah, blah, blah. And even if they stop communicating with you, let's say, via texting or phone calls not returned or emails not returned or letters written that aren't acknowledged or they come into town and they don't take the time to physically see you when they're in town if you happen to find out that kind of thing. And again, I'm not saying any of this has happened in your situation, but I'm just covering all the bases. Is you just, wow, I would have really liked to have seen you. I guess you were, you know, not, I guess you were really busy because that's passive aggressive. I will hope to see you next time. I would love to come and visit you wherever this person lives, you know, that kind of thing. Like you continue through love, letting them know you love, you care, you're here, and you speak their truth. Eventually, they either will or won't back away from their perception and shift. And the relationship at that point can really begin to to be healed. The healing process can begin. But if I'm trying very hard, that illustrious word trying, right? State of commitment and non-commitment, to force them into having a conversation with me or communication and they just can't hear or see, what do you think would happen if they finally gave in because of their passive aggressivity and said, fine, whatever, let's have a conversation, fine. What do you think would happen if they weren't really willing to hear you anyway? It wouldn't improve any, any, it, it may get worse. So, yeah. So all you can really do is come from a place of love. And now a quick word from our sponsor. Today's episode has been brought to you by our sponsor, True Visionaries Incorporated, an organization dedicated to helping you become a true visionary of your own life. If you're dealing with any kind of stress day to day, 
or stress related to the pandemic, then go to www.susandesenzi.com forward slash stress toolkit to download your free stress toolkit guide. Thanks so much for listening. Now back to the show. Now, how do you manage the feelings when you feel them? What do you do right now when you're feeling kind of that hurt and that frustrated and that fear and you notice that maybe, wow, that I guess that was kind of passive aggressive what I just did or said. What do you do with that information for yourself then once you become aware of that? Well, I think that I need to do some self-care <laughs> in those times because quite honestly, you know, I'm a, I'm a creative woodworker right now, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm an artist and I, sometimes I shut down, you know, where the, the creativity just doesn't flow whatsoever. I'm just feeling that kind of, that heartache you know where i need to be more outside you know go out and walk in nature go to my favorite spots we live on our three and a half acre farmette out here and so and, and we call it koki country you know and so you know i just go on a walkabout on koki country and and start to notice little things and you know i've, I've got three dogs that they're all males and they all want to be mama's boys you know so <laughs> You know, so, you know, I try to do some of those things, but, you know, quite honest, I go to the darker place where I just shut down and I need to lay down. You know, I just need to just not do anything. Now, do you think that's to process or do you think that's a coping mechanism of retreat because it's too hard to manage what you're feeling? Maybe a little bit of both. Okay. You know, I, I think sometimes it's it's a little bit of both. It might start out processing, but then might turn, you know, because I do have, you know, relaxation and, and things like that. I've got tools in my toolbox that I can dust off any time. Just, you know, sometimes that human part of us, we just don't, we don't want to, I don't want to open my fucking toolbox, you know? It's like, I just want to sit in it for a little bit, you know? Exactly. <laughs> and you know what? Here's another tool to add to your toolbox for that. It's okay to to invite yourself to your pity party and have your pity party for a party of one for as long as you choose, because I guarantee you, you'll decide at some point you're tired of the pity party and you'll leave. And it's okay. And this is the thing that I think that most of us have never been taught and don't really understand. It is okay to feel dark, negative thoughts. And feel dark negative feelings and emotions. It's okay to want to sit in the pity and the negativity of the why me, poor me, you know, the victimness. What is not okay is to live as a victim, to live as a hurt person, to live. This is where passive aggressive behaviors come from. We are living in the frustration of not being able to share our anger and our, our intensity of emotion. And so we squelch it and we push it down, but it builds up and eventually it's going to explode, whether it's anger or an intensity of wild, crazy behaviors, or we go to drugs and alcohol, or we listen to the critical inner voice in our head and we really beat ourselves up that we're a worthless piece of shit, or we get caught in a loop of thought that we are just this 
imposter. Who the hell am I to do X, Y, Z? Like, uh, like we, we attack our own sense of self-worth, esteem, and confidence, right? But it is okay. The number one thing that everybody should have in their toolbox is permission. You take out that permission badge and you wear it and you give yourself permission to feel and emote all that you feel and emote in a healthier way. And if that means silent in your room with the lights off, curled up in the fetal position on the bed, knock yourself out. But if you do it more than a day or two, I'm going to step in if I know about it and go, all right, come on there, Cindy Cokey, let's do a walkabout in Cokey country here because now you're starting to wallow in the pity party and become the pity itself. So I, I think one of the things that could be really helpful for you to, to kind of step into is that you are this beautifully wise, powerful woman. And the work you've been doing through the years when you had a center called the WOW Center and what you do now is living beautifully now is to step into that place of beauty for yourself that says, I did the best I could with the resources I had. And I knew I did what I did because that's all I knew back then. That's what I'd been role modeled. That's what I saw. I was afraid of this. I was afraid of that. I wanted to keep the peace, the confrontation, this, the ex-husband with the silent treatment, that. Now I have come into a place of deeper learning and awareness about myself and the layers and saying, you know what? It's not okay to be acting in a passive aggressive way anymore because when I do that, I'm denying who I truly am and my truth. So I will work from this day forward. That's the new vow. I will work, not try. I will work from this day forward. Sometimes I won't work so hard and I'll fall down. Sometimes I'll fall into that hole and I'll be like, ah, why? Most of the time, though, it'll get easier over time to just give myself that permission to say, wow, I realized that what I just said or did was a little passive aggressive. Hmm. What was really at the core of why I acted or said that? Oh, it was my fear of either how they'd see me or their perception or how they react or whatever. Okay, so where am I not speaking my truth? Well, just then I didn't. How can I speak my truth now, even with this just having happened or me just saying or doing whatever? Or how can I speak my truth the next time I'm presented with that? Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yes. Yes. I mean, isn't this something you teach your clients? <laughs> yes, it, it absolutely is. And, and it's funny because when you said that everyone needed to have permission in their toolbox, I mean, I can hear me saying, I'm waving my magic wand and I'm give, granting you permission to blah, blah, blah. And I'm just... <laughs> You know, it's so funny how human darn it we are, you know. <laughs> What's the phrase, uh, doctor, heal thyself. We are our yes. own worst patients. And the truth is, is because, you know, we need someone to reflect that mirror, that reflection in the mirror for us. And, you know, a lot of people say we teach what we most need to learn. I don't believe that at all. I believe that we teach what we most need to experience. Yes. 
Because I think as a soul, we don't need to learn anything. Our soul is all-knowing and, and part of the oneness, right? Part of that impotent, uh, impotence. Oh, my God. <laughs> Not impotence. <laughs> part of the, oh, my God. Sorry. Okay, well, our soul is impotent. Is part. <laughs> I think our soul is part of the omnipresence and ocularity. Ocularity, right? Is part of the omnipotence. Is part of the omnipotence and the omnipresence of you know the oneness of us all. And so we don't need to learn anything. It's that we're ex- choosing to experience. And so if we're choosing to experience, if that's the pot- a potential reality, then isn't it about how we choose to express within that experience? Absolutely. Yes. You know? And I just wanted to back up a little bit with how living beautifully now even became a mantra for me. You know, it's, it's, it's something that um, is hugely important for me to share forward, and that is the name of my 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 business and how it grows and and unfolds. It's 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 all just flowing along. But my sister passed away when she was thirty nine. She she had um, brain cancer, and this and and uh, two thousand nine, she um, developed a an even more aggressive ichor tumor. And, you know, going through, through all of that, you know, and, and um, she, in her end days, she was in Asheville and she was at a beautiful hospice center and it was called Alive. And, you know, everyone that was there in their end time of life was treated very much like they were alive, very beautifully. And that sat for, with me over the years. And in about 2014, when I was actually getting ready to leave my, my um, truancy and administrative to, to move forward with the WOW Center, I felt guided to take a volunteer um, caregiver trainer, hospice care training program. Mm. And in that time, we were given a questionnaire. And one of the questions, question was, how do you want to die? And the only thing that came to my mind was beautifully. And I, I didn't mean, you know, elegantly and just, oh, you know, and, and, and you know, the, the, <laughs> the glamorous, you know, movie, you know, just, I didn't mean that at all. I meant in truth, where yeah. I had loved and felt loved and nurtured and served, you know, and just really led a fulfilled, beautiful life where I was self-accepting and kind and compassion with myself and others that crossed my path. And that's what that meant to me. But the nanosecond, the absolute nanosecond after beautifully came to mind was the little soul sister voice uh, in the back of my mind that said, well, go friend, if you want to die beautifully, you need to start living beautifully now. Oh and my so God. that has, you know, it just stuck with me. And it's, it's been a constant reminder. And it's probably the only reason why I can go ahead and have this conversation with you and not be offended and not be f- crying my eyes out. And, you know, it's like, it's, it's something that, that I'm 
learning to be more and more is is self-accepting and self-loving and i want to share that forward you know and so part of living beautifully now is looking at the shit that you got going on like being passive aggressive <laughs> well and you know what and thank you for saying that because you are living beautifully now you're a beautiful woman with this beautiful soul and this huge heart and look there is no such thing as perfection I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Like we all fuck up. We all get, you know, are living from past shit. Sometimes we all have layers of stuff. Like I still, for all of my self-awareness and all of my work on myself going within daily checking, it's so automatic for me that even like if, if I'm sarcastic with my husband in a snarky way, like I immediately know if it was truly out of jest or if I'm on edge, or I'm a little frustrated, not with him necessarily, maybe with him, but just like a rough day or a busy day or whatever, and then I'm taking it out on him, I know instantly. But do you think every single time I do it, I'm always like, sorry, honey, sorry, honey, I'm on edge. No, because sometimes I'm just like, screw him, whatever. He's busy. He's snarky too. He's busy. I'm busy. Look, He's a big boy. Yeah. The point is, is that we're human. That's the whole point of the show. We're yeah. human. And we're living as these spiritual beings in human form, learning to navigate this humanness and express completely as our truth. And sometimes we're going to lie. And I don't mean literally lie, like to not tell a truth, but we're going to speak what we think is our truth when we realize it's quote unquote passive aggressive or it's this or it's that. And that doesn't have anything to do with who we are as people. It has to do with who we've learned to become as a human, right? And you being willing to come on the show and share with, with me and have this conversation publicly when you know this is going out to the airwaves as a podcast episode speaks volumes, Cindy, about your courage, your bravery, your willingness to no longer allow any type of passive-aggressive behavior to be a cape that you wear even sometimes. And all you can do is practice when it hits you in the face. And now that you have the awareness, which is the key, I bet you any money it's going to happen less and less because as soon as you begin, you're going to check yourself inside because you're going to be like, oh, shit, that's kind of passive aggressive, isn't it? And you're going to quickly turn it around because I think all of us still engage in passive aggressive behavior sometimes. I just hope that you go easy on yourself, okay? Because you are living beautifully now and you are a freaking dynamic, badass, <laughs> spiritual warrior, right? Who truly wants to assist others in living beautifully now. So any final words of wisdom, advice, thoughts, because I, I absolutely want to bring you back on to showcase you as the professional that you are and to check in and see how things have gone since this conversation, you know, over time. But anything final that you would love to share with my audience right now? I think that I would just get out that magic wand and I'm going to wave it and give all the listeners and you and myself permission to look at your dark sides and, you know, and, and love and accept yourself 
in the light and in the dark and in the shadows in between. Just love yourself and move forward, share forward where you can. Let's all grow together. Oh, so beautifully said and so true. Thank you so much, Cindy, for being here. It's been such an honor and, you know, my pleasure to spend a little bit of time with you and work to help you through some ways. I hope today was helpful for you in some ways. Absolutely. Thank you, Susan. I've been listening to all of your podcasts, you know, especially your new ones, but I've gone and, and kind of picked around and kicking, kicking your butts or kick your butts. And I resonate totally with you. I hear you and, and I celebrate you too. I, I like your new platform. I enjoy how you have the, the speaker on and then you do a follow-up kind of afterwards. I think that's pretty a pretty nifty you know, way to do it. And uh, I love your insight and your outlook and you have a huge heart too. So I'm just so grateful. Thank you. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so touched. Oh, I'm honored. Well, we'll definitely have you back on and we'll, we'll you know, showcase your professional work and, and more of you because you are just an amazing woman. And again, I, I, I don't think that we acknowledge this, but Cindy and I met, oh, I don't know, five, six years, five, five years ago, I think it was, through a mutual friend. But it was a, one of those quick kind of passing kind of things through our mutual friend we we went over and took a look at her her center it was the wow center and we were just like wow this, literally wow it was like oh this is so beautiful and it's so serene and peaceful and i had another mutual friend of our mutual friend with us so the three of us knew each other well but i was just meeting two of us were just meeting cindy for the first time and it was one of those where it wasn't like this blow away meeting where we're like we're best friends and known each other our whole lives and we're meeting again and let's get on the phone and start talking. As a matter of fact, we didn't reconnect until, I don't know, a short while ago, a month or not even, maybe a couple of months at the most. And a post, I believe you made on Facebook, Cindy, is that right? And I commented, is that correct? Do I have it totally backwards? Actually, I think you, I think you posted something and I commented ah. and then you reached out to me via messenger saying, Hey, thank you. And, and I think we were just trying to play, you know, you were trying to place how you knew me. That's right. And um, we, we backed the truck up in our little mini conversation on, on messenger. Yes, and, that's it. Uh, we got to talking again. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Thank you. I yes. just love. I love that. I I love how the universe, the angels, whatever you want to, you know, however you want to believe. I just love how, you know, you connect, and time goes by, and then for whatever. I mean, we stayed connected. We were connected on Facebook. You know, I've I've watched some of your, you know, your video, your lives on on there, and you've seen some of my postings and such. Yeah. You know, so it's not like we were totally disconnected, but. But it's just that subtle connection that yeah. like, it's like the friends in the background that you, you've met because up until recently, my Facebook feed was only people like Cindy who I'd met in person before, either at a conference or we know each other well, or we've worked together or in some capacity, we have physically met or talked on the phone or Zoom and, and there's always a mutual connection. But then I opened my Facebook feed up to public so now I, there's a bunch of people on there I don't know in person, 
But Cindy was one of those where I remembered, I knew who she was, but I couldn't place where. Like, where had we met? And then, <laughs> right, due to that conversation, we were like, oh, that's it. And then we just started talking and look, here we are. We're, we're coming to you today on the podcast. So it's, it's beautiful the way the universe works when we open our hearts. And I will leave you all with that, that as Cindy says, live beautifully now. If you're struggling with anything, please feel free to reach out to me at susandesenzi.com. Hit me up on the contact form. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you have interest in being coached on air, send me a, a message through my contact me page on my website and let me know that you're interested. If you have a suggestion for the show, if you have an idea of a topic or an issue that you are struggling with that you would love to hear more about, please reach out. And if in any way you're struggling with stress or really finding that you're not giving yourself permission to love yourself, go to the website, grab a couple of free gifts. They're there for you and there'll be way more over the next days, weeks, and months. You all are amazing. I hope that you go out and become the spiritual badasses that you were totally meant to be and express in your truth so that you don't wear the cloak of passive aggressivity, of imposter syndrome, of fear, of limiting beliefs to hold you back from being who you're truly meant to be. I love you all so much. I'll see you next week. Ciao for now. You've been listening to The Spiritually Expressed Human, where conformity is not an option. Getting out of the box is critical, and spiritually expressed means becoming the badass of your life while attaining freedom and inner peace. If you're ready to start that process, go to susandesenzi.com and click on the free gift tab to get started. You can also get the link in the show notes. Thank you for being here. And if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe on your platform of choice. Until next time, be the spiritually expressed badass you are meant to be.